Broadcasting from 106.7 WIZN Studios, 106.7 WIZN, proud to be part of Brewview Vermont and this podcast. Well, Elise, welcome to Brewview the podcast. Very happy to have you join us today to talk about, you know, a place where I think I had my first craft beer, actually, on, on tap right, Vermont Pub and Brewery. And oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I had a macro brew as my official first beer, not going to lie. <laughs> but fair, uh, fair. Uh, you know, it was put in my hands and, you know, and, and, and the rest mm-hmm. is history. But uh, very happy that I've actually had a lot of my uh, craft beer experiences started out at places like Vermont Pub and Brewery. And it seems, you know, we... We might as well get started, if you don't mind, in, in the history. I mean, obviously, you can't have a conversation in Vermont about brewing without Greg Noonan slipping into that conversation somewhere. So th- you, you must have a bit of a different, uh, you know, aspect of, of who Greg is and how Vermont Pub and Brewery started than, you know, I as a person who's kind of outside of that would have. I do. I do. Um so it's interesting that you say that about your first craft brew was here at Vermont Pub and Brewery because I have a similar experience, actually. I, uh, I started coming here the day after I turned 21, and I was addicted to the forbidden fruit uh, raspberry sour mash. Uh-huh. And I kept coming in for years, and about five years later, um, I was working at another restaurant, and it burned down. And um, Vicky, who was the bartender at the time, who was one of the full-time bartenders at the time, said, well, you should just work here. And I said, okay. So I was interviewed by Greg and Steve, and um, I started working here 12 years ago. And so much of my first craft brew um, experience was here, actually. And I'm happy to still be here. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, from from a, a waitress who's kind of like, okay, sure, and now you're the general manager, and Greg actually brought you on board. That's pretty cool, gotta say. Yeah, it is pretty cool. And I, you know, I had to be fair, I had no idea what I was getting into when I started working here, <laughs> and when I started drinking the beer here, and. Um, I, you know, I, of course, moved on from the Forbidden Fruit, which I still love to this day. I still think it's my all-time favorite beer, but I was exposed to a lot of other styles that I had no idea about um, before coming here. So Yeah, I think it's actually so. one of the nice things. I, I remember I went there, um, I had, you know, I want to say it was um, Grand Slam. Um, you know, an IPA, which at the time, you know, it's like a West Coast IPA, not like the the IPAs that you typically have now, but a, a fantastic beer. And um, a, and my girlfriend at the time was like, I don't like beer. And she came in. I ordered a forbidden fruit. I was like, here, taste some of this. And she wouldn't give it back. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. Sounds about was, right. I love yeah. to call it the gateway beer. <laughs> it really, it, it absolutely is. It's just, it's so smooth. It's got that fruitiness, you know, it's got that little bit of sourness. So it's kind of, you know, interesting, but it's also at the time, you know, same time, not too much. Like some of those, you know, sour beers out there for me, it's like, it's a little fatiguing. There's a little, there's a lot going on there. But um, I love the fact that, you know, seasonally I could go in there, I could get like a handsome mix Irish stout and, you know, I could wait for the summer beers to, to come along. And then there's, the, you know, the ones you guys seem to have no matter when I go in there. Is that a plan? You know, is that just something that kind of happened or? No, we absolutely have beers that will never come off of our menu. Um, They have to stay on the menu all the time. And it's because what, that's what the people want. (laughs) And um, 
we're we're happy to be to have those uh landmark beers for us. Um, one of them being our flagship beer, the Burley Irish Ale, um, oh, which yeah. has been in production for over 30 years. Um, and uh, then there are some seasonal beers, like, for instance, you had mentioned the Grand Slam Home Run, um, formerly known as the baseball beer. Yeah, the baseball <laughs> beer, yep. <laughs> that was the summer version, and then the winter version is the silk ale. And they're very similar, but slightly different, and those stay on the menu pretty much year-round, whether it's one or the other. Um, we generally have the stout on the menu, the handsome mixed Irish stout, um, and the forbidden fruit, of course, can't leave the menu. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so. it's such a fantastic, like you said, it is it is that gateway beer for a lot of people who are like, no, 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 I don't like craft beer. And then I find actually you guys have a lot of exceptions where it's like people who are just like, no, no, I don't like craft beers. I like Pilsners or something like that. And I go, well, here, try this. No. <laughs> and, exactly. Yep. And, and it, it ends up, uh, you know, being one after another after that. And they go, I kind of like this place. Um, yeah. Obviously, can't talk about that without talking about how you guys started. I mean, I mean, there's this rumor, or maybe it's true, of how you guys started using a mixture of like agricultural equipment, commercial kitchen equipment, and and Greg kind of Frankensteining it all together to make something out of it. That is very true. Uh, <laughs> I love that. That is the truth, absolutely. Um, so to to start with. Um, Home brewing was uh, was popular, but not legal at the time. Um, it became, right. Well, it was legal at the time that we opened, but Greg had been home brewing for a number of years before it became officially legal. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he opened um, Vermont Pub and Brewery in 1988, there was not really a whole lot of brewing equipment that was small scale brewing equipment that was available to be purchased. So he did essentially Frankenstein pieces together. There was an old, um, an old pig feeder, I believe, an old ice cream tank, um, and uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love, and I love that. I love the ingenuity. A lot of that original equipment. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, someday it'll be, it'll be in the Smithsonian or something. I'm sure once they pry it from your hands, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> I actually, funny enough, um, I ended up homebrewing as a result of being pushed into it by a guy who had formerly brewed there, not a head brewer or anything like that, but he'd brewed there for a couple of years and really liked it. And he, and he and I started talking about styles. I thought it was this thing that was very difficult to do. It turns out it's just something that once you start, you can't stop. It takes, you know, three, four hours and, you know, you invest that time and you hang out with a buddy and, and there you go. And, yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, I, I became a home brewer and <laughs> it That's makes me great. Appreciate... And you're still a home brewer? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it makes nice. me appreciate what, you know, what goes on. It's one of those things where I feel like the more I know about the process on my end, the more I can really appreciate what it is that I am drinking and I don't ever want to be like a Cicerone. I'm not, you know, I don't have <laughs> aspirations like that, or I don't think the palate for it, but I enjoy beer and anything that I can do to enjoy beer and help other people enjoy beer. Um, you know, I think is a, is a good thing, which is uh, why homebrewing still very important to me. Um, because it, it just makes me appreciate what's going on, you know? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I so, totally agree. I, uh, the deeper I get into this, the more appreciation I have for it. Yeah. 
you must have seen a lot of things behind the scenes. Do, do you ever get roped in? Do they like rope people in sometimes to be like, just hold this and stir or, you know, dump this in for me while I stir or any of those kinds of um, things? <laughs> not necessarily on that level, but definitely in the way of um, hauling, hauling malt or uh, doing those kind of manual labor activities. <laughs> I know about those. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I bought I bought 250 pounds of grain uh, not too long ago, and carrying that is that was a that's a task that's for sure, uh, and and yeah. that's probably small change compared to what you guys have. So, yes, um, I think Scott was actually just saying our last malt delivery was something like over 20,000 pounds of malt that was hauled by three people, um, wow. which I'm sure is nothing in comparison to to the larger breweries around, yeah. you know, but but hauled by three people. It, pretty impressive <laughs> yeah i'm sure the macro brewers are saying like hauling wait yeah <laughs> sure they have systems yeah. that handle all of that which is good you know because i love the sweat equity of craft beer and especially you know here in vermont i mean you know where some of the things they're literally grown down the road and roasted down the road and then you know other things you know, because of specialty you have to get it somewhere else but um uh, you know it, it's i love that there is the ability to do that when uh when you can um I wanted to ask you a little bit too about the food. I mean, did Greg plan all the food? Did somebody else start planning the food at, at Vermont Pub and Brewery, you know, in that kind of history of how things started? So I don't have a vast knowledge of that. I can say that he did plan a lot of the food. Mm -hmm. um, most of our, um, most of our um, traditional brew pub, the Vermont Pub and Brewery classics, our original Greg recipes. Um, we still, our Vermont cheese sampler, um, which features six different Vermont cheese cheeses. Mm -hmm. We actually have a laminated picture of his original vision for that, for that plate. Um, and I'm sure that there are more, more like that. And I haven't necessarily seen them, but mm -hmm. I've seen notes and I've read, you know, all of our kitchen logs and whatnot. And I know that he was very, very much involved with the food menu in the beginning. Nice. I mean, uh, not something I, I even anticipated, but I just started thinking about the foods that I've ordered over the years, you know, and, and um, you know, it's definitely the, the, the two go very well together. And I don't know if it's by happenstance or uh, so the, the good thing is that there is food. It goes well with a beer. And <laughs> so you can yeah, enjoy exactly. there. And Knowing Greg, it was intentional. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it was intentional. And a lot of, you know, some of the things are very much uh, British brew pub oriented, you know, maybe not the same as what you would have in Britain, but um, the along the same lines, you know, with the um, chicken pot pie, formerly known as the kakaliki pie, and, <laughs> right. um, <laughs> and uh, the shepherd's pie, fish and chips. You know, all of those items are pretty standard British brew pub food, you know? Yeah. And I like the fact that you guys have things like, you know, the, what is it? The toad in the hole, uh, uh, yeah. you know, some other things that are, that kind of stray from that, you know, which I think also, again, opens it up for other people to go in there, you know, where you have, you know, mushroom based meal, which I don't remember at the time when I was eating anybody else having, you know, that kind of a thing. And, uh, you know, my, my vegetarian friends, I remember used to go in there and, and, uh, eat that a lot <laughs> so yeah yep <laughs> fantastic thing so now the music thing too i i remember just over the years seeing so many bands there i mean if i'm not mistaken when you go down the stairs to the you know to the to the bathrooms there used to be bands playing there you know now there's bands playing outside i find a lot on the stage um 
was that part of the, you know, kind of original plan too? Or is that, uh, you know, just kind of music goes so well with beer, you, you guys had to bring them in? I'm, I'm sure that it was probably a little bit of both. Um, I, that's something that I'm not really sure about the, the whole history behind that. I, mm-hmm. the stage time, the inside stage was a little before my time. Yeah. Um, because for as long as I can remember, and just to put a year on it, I believe I started coming in in 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, so in any case, um, yeah, that was way today, early on. So I, I mean, probably <laughs> I, I, I have one of those weird memories where I remember weird details. So I, I, I find a lot of people probably don't even know that that used to happen in there. And then they had seating there for a while. And now it's the, you know, part of the equipment that's there. So Yes, yes. And um, that is for our, the the tanks on the stage or what used to be the stage are specifically for um, the Tula Lees, um Flanders style red ale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because we use Britannomyces, so we keep those tanks very separate so that that wild yeast strain can't really contaminate anything else. I love that. Um, Smart, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Anyway, I actually, when I was looking for pictures um, for this article, I actually came across the pictures of um, moving the tanks onto the stage and having to remove the window. And that kind of put a year on it because uh, I saw the people who were in the picture and that actually probably didn't happen um, much later than when I started coming here because the people who were in those pictures were here working here when I first started working here myself. Oh, wow. so, yeah. um, so I never, I don't remember ever seeing bands on that stage, but I know not just you, but a lot of people talk about it. Um, we have a lot of longstanding regular customers who have been coming <laughs> in here since day one or shortly thereafter. And uh, they definitely, they share stories with me all the time. And um, yeah, I, I'm i not really sure why they decided to stop doing music inside. Um, but in all fairness, the outside stage works great. It's uh, really nice to draw people in from the street. It happens all the time. We had music last night and we're continually kind of revamping our music scene and changing the hours now we've got music mainly through dinner time in the summer um on select on thursday nights and select weekends depending on what's going on in town and i know that um music used to be later as more of like a late night sort of scene mm-hmm. and we've just kind of changed that over the years with what we're with what people suggest and what people want and um so I have We're to actually admit that, that I, I love I love the earlier bands. I'm a you know I'm a dad, and so uh, when I can go and I can you know see a band, but I can still be home to like you know say goodnight to my kids. Like to me, <laughs> it's like the best. Right? Of both yeah. Because uh, I yep. know some of the bands <laughs> who play there occasionally, and and uh, you know so I try to still go and support. And of course, you know I'll I'll have a beer, maybe some food while I'm there, uh, as I do. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which is of course. The whole, you know, point of, of my existence, I think, really. So, <laughs> Mine too, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's really, you know, if, 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 I think it's a good one. <laughs> so, um, now I know that Scott was, uh, I, was, I was hoping that we might be able to talk to your head brewer, but, you know, as things are, he's, uh, he's probably in the middle of brewing. So if he doesn't have the opportunity to talk, that, 
you know, that's, um, that's okay. But I'm, I'm hoping, you know, that would be great if, uh, if he does, but what, um, if you can tell me, I mean, you know, we're kind of talking a little bit about, you know, the, the history talked a little bit about kind of what's going on now. Uh, are there any other kind of like, you know, plans of what is kind of around the corner or, you know, off in the future, you guys plan on pretty much staying the course, um, you know, reacting to what's happening in the beer world, you know, any, any insight on that? Yeah. Well, you know, it's always a struggle between um, keeping our rich heritage alive and staying current with the times, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, I think that we're doing a pretty good job of keeping up, but at the same time, honoring that heritage. Mm -hmm. Um, We do participate in as many collaborations as we can. Currently, we're working on a collaboration with Hermit Thrush Brewery um, to make our burly burly Irish ale into a sour and still have it in cans. It'll be available in cans. Um, We're not sure when just yet, but the process has already started. It's aging um, at their brewery right now. And um, yeah, and it's really exciting. It's especially exciting because we we don't can or bottle anything. So you have to actually come in here to get our beer. So it'll be really cool to have some of our beer um, in in stores in a way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that'll be the the first time that I remember seeing, you know, something out there. I mean, I've I've asked. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I've asked. But, uh, you know, I love the fact that, you know, um, you guys for a while, I know, did, um, you know, did some some take home stuff. Is that still something that happens at all there or, you know, because I know the laws on that are weird. So we offer growlers to go. You do? Um, Okay, still. Yep. Yep. We still offer growlers to to go and those are filled to order. Um, we offer almost everything that we have available on tap, except for the handsome mixed Irish stout, which is on nitro pour. So it just doesn't translate yeah. well to a growler. No, but, it doesn't uh, work unless you have nitro at home and recharge it or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's the only one that we don't really offer. Um, but, uh, yeah, we definitely, we, we don't can or bottle and we have no real visions of that in the future. It's been mm-hmm. talked about. Um, but you know, we're not saying one way or another that we will or won't, but it's not in the, um, immediate future. I can say that much. Right. Right. So it is kind of cool though, because you have to actually make the pilgrimage here to try our beer. <laughs> and it, yeah. And, and I think there are people who, who really do. I mean, especially, you know, knowing the history, uh, I know that obviously, um, one of the ways that I found out about the Frankensteining was reading the, uh, you know, the, the book, um, the, the Queen City uh, History of Brewing in Burlington and, you know, talking to, uh, to Jeff and, and uh, Adam and, and, and they're talking about, you know, the, the Frankensteining of things that, that Greg did. And, you know, being in, in books like that, do you find that that uh, is finding you new people or is it just kind of the fact that they go, hey, Vermont beer, uh, obviously they come to Burlington because it's the place where the airport is and then um, and they make that pilgrimage or are they finding out about you and, in other ways, or, or is it just kind of, you know, mishmash? Do, do you guys get any info feedback from, from folks on that? So it's funny that you bring that up because it was actually um, just a couple days ago, I was bartending and someone actually had the book in his hand, the um, Burlington Brewing, A History of Craft Beer in the Queen City, um, <laughs> just to say the full name there. And he actually had the book in his hand, bookmarked, and he had it open to our page. And he said that he came in 
specifically because he read about us in this book. Awesome. Um, so it, you know, who knows how many people that just happened to be very recent and the most evident. I mean, there's no, there's no more evident that you can be <laughs> having the book <laughs> in your hand, carrying it into the bar. So, yep. That makes um, it pretty so clear. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so that was really cool. And I, I believe that there are probably many other people who read about our, our history or already knew about our history in, in all fairness, you know, um, one of the things that Scott says is, you know, it's your hard pressed to find a brewer over 30 years old who has no idea who Greg Noonan is. So, it, it's very um, true. Yeah. And, and honestly, yeah. I love the fact that this book has come out and it'll, you know, hopefully reach new people who are, you know, who are interested in this. And, um, you know, I've uh, involved with the, you know, beer community on Twitter and places like that. And I still, you know, I see his name come from the most unexpected of places, you know, where you'd be like, how, how in the world do you know who Greg Noonan is? Uh, but they do. And, you know, and his name still gets, gets spread around as, you know, just one of those people who really laid the groundwork for what craft beer is today, especially here in Vermont, where, like you're saying, it was it was illegal until he and, uh, you know, uh, petitioned the state to, to change those laws and, uh, you know, made it possible for, gosh, so many other breweries to exist because of that and, and teaching people how to brew. Yes. Yep. And he was very community oriented and um, wanting the beer scene to grow and willing to talk to anyone who wanted to find out anything about brewing or about brew clubs. And um, just, I just need to say he lobbied with Bill Mars, who was a state legislature at the time. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but in any case, they did a lot of work. It took, I believe, two years for them to change the laws and, um, it was just a series of checks and balances and Vermont just wanted to make sure that it was um, that they knew what they were getting into before allowing brew pubs. Um, you know, in 1988, most people didn't even know what a brew pub was. So um, no, they really, really, yeah, he really, Greg did a lot of work to, um, to really create this foundation that we have today. And that's one thing that um, I think, we try to we try to impress that upon people. Anyone who comes in, we um, we try to educate our staff on the history, on brewing knowledge as much as you can. You know, we have um, a lot of long-term staff members as well as a lot of college students who you know will work here through college and then move on. But we're um, we're continually educating our staff on not just beer knowledge but the history of of this place. And I think that there's a lot of honor amongst our staff knowing that they're working at the place that started it all. So yeah, I mean, there are not a lot of places. Yeah. There are not a lot of places where if you say, Hey, add two years to your business plan before you start, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, yeah. That, yeah. that they would have gone through with it, you know, so that's that, you know, the tenacity, uh, you know, of him to, to keep pressing forward on that for all that time. Um, you know, it's amazing. And it's, and it's great that you guys still honor that tradition and, you know, that, that hard work with, uh, with the staff who are there today. I, I, I can't thank you enough for doing that because again, you know, it's people who've worked there who, you know, are, uh, made me the, 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 the craft, you know, brew appreciator and home brewer than I am today. So. Nice. Nice. Yeah. It's, um, I know I feel especially honored to be a part of this, you know, even, even, 
I wasn't here at the very beginning, obviously, <laughs> but uh, I've learned a lot, especially in the past couple of years, taking over this taking over this position and there's a lot to learn from Steve Kalawasik who's Greg's partner and um business partner and uh and he has he is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to all of this and he he's really you know he makes he pretty much gives Greg all of the credit but I think that he needs to take some credit himself <laughs> because he's <laughs> he's really really done a nice job about keeping Greg's vision alive without, you know, obviously you have to change with the times to a certain extent, mm-hmm. but you still, you still have to keep, keep true to what the original vision was. Yeah. And you guys, you know, I, I have to say have done it so well, you know, the changes that have made been made, which, um, most of the time, a lot of people wouldn't even notice, but when, whenever they have, they've been very subtle. Uh, you know, they've felt very well thought out and, you know, very much um, didn't affect the experience, I think, of, of people who were coming in there. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, Thank you guys. I mean, you know, it's, it, it's, it's nice. I mean, you know, Vermont Pub and Brewery is kind of one of those places where in some ways it's, it's a working museum of the history of brewing in Burlington. Exactly, exactly. And there are not a lot of even there are not a lot of microbreweries out there um, anymore that still brew in the fashion that we do. You know, a lot of things are are computerized. Equipment is a lot newer. And um, Scott has been I I wish that he was here, but um, he's been here for a number of years. He started out as um, Russ Fitzpatrick's assistant brewer Mm -hmm. and then um, and then Russ had to leave due to some health issues and Scott just stepped right up and he's still learning little, little things here and there that make our brewery really unique that maybe make his job a little more challenging than it <laughs> needs to be or than it could be. But he's really, he's really stepped up in a way that's um, very cool, honoring, honoring the past and still moving towards the future. So. Yeah, the the amazing thing about brewing beer that I found is that I'm constantly still learning. And it was the early 90s was the first time that I ever did a homebrew. So (laughs) so that's a long time to be, you know, doing it and still learning how to do things better, still learning new techniques, new experiences, new, you know, equipment that's being created by other brewers, uh, you know, that uh, I find it's always the small scale stuff that, you know, the guy who's brewing on a 15 to 20 gallon system that ends up being created and, you know, works its way up the chain. Uh, you know, I don't think that plate chillers and things like that would have existed if it wasn't for the homebrewing community and, you know, <laughs> and, and they just, yeah. through. so, um, I guess we're, I, I'm, I'm running up against the clock here. So I guess I'll, I'll end on one final question. And I sent this to you because I know it's, it's one to think about, but what would you want people, you know, if they've never been to Vermont Pub and Brewery, what would you want them to come to Vermont Pub and Brewery for, and then to leave knowing if, if there was one thing that, if you could put that, um, a point on that, what would you, what would you say to people? So, um, it's funny that you, that you bring that up now, because I feel like we've actually been kind of talking about that the whole time. Mm -hmm. And it's really just, I think that knowing the history and, um, respecting the history is really, the most important thing in my mind and knowing that Greg Noonan really paved the way and 
we were the first brew pub in the state. And um, it's, I think it's important for people to understand um, that even though they may not remember that time, um, many of many of the our current patrons are younger than we are. And uh, mm-hmm. so the beer that they know is can be very different, but um, we kind of started it all. <laughs> and that's, I think that's important to know and to know just the history behind it, that um, I'm not saying that we wouldn't have had um, such a craft beer boom that we've seen that we see right now, but we definitely helped facilitate that. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly yeah. agree. And, and I, I agree too. I mean, it's like, you know, we kind of talked all around that question the entire time that, that we were talking and yeah, it, you know, it really is, it really is amazing. And, and I think, I, I think you guys can literally claim that there wouldn't be as much brewing going on in the state of Vermont. I, I wholeheartedly believe if it wasn't for Greg, the pushes that he did starting Vermont Pub and Brewery, showing other people that, Hey, you can do this, teaching people how to brew. I mean, there are people I know who it was, you know, they either learned from Greg or they indirectly learned from somebody that Greg taught. And, and, you know, most of the people who I know, you know, it's, it's, people with Green Mountain Mashers who uh, you, you can't have a meeting with those guys without Greg's name coming up at least a couple of times, uh, you know, where somebody is saying, Greg Newman held up this beer, this beer in my hands and said, this is the best beer that I've ever had, you know, in this group and think, yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. that was literally, you know, a quote that I heard in, in one of those meetings. And, um, yeah. and you it's know, awesome. history, history is great, but especially when it's something that, you know, for, I think a, a lot of us, it, you know, there is a great beer community, uh, but especially here in Vermont, you know, where it's a small state where, um, you know, we have small borders. We've had strange laws in the past, you know, Greg and others working to change that and making this happen. And you guys, you know, again, um, you know, at least still teaching the staff there about the history so that they can share that and they can, you know, talk to people intelligently about that. I, I think that that you know, keeps that alive and, you know, absolutely make sure that everybody who's going to go there is going to leave knowing more, uh, hopefully about beer, but maybe about Vermont Open Brewery too. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we're coming into a whole new generation of brewers and beer enthusiasts who, um, you know, maybe don't know the history. I actually come across a lot of people who don't know the history. And uh, so it's, it's actually very exciting for me to not just tell customers myself, but also hearing our staff telling people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually, it gives me a really good feeling about that. And there's no doubt in my mind that, yeah, without Greg, we would not be where we are right now in, in the brewing world, um, in the beer world in Vermont, um, and the country for that matter, not just Vermont, but, really? you know, yeah, true. The, yeah, speaking about Vermont and beer tourism, I believe is uh, reaching one of our top um, top revenues for the state. Um, I was talk I was talking to um, Amy and Melissa from the BBA, or mm-hmm. they were talking about it, and I believe that beer tourism has topped the ski industry and and or perhaps maple syrup. Um, so it's really cool that we've been able to give back to the state in that way. And I know that that's, you know, that was all part of Greg's vision also. So 
Yeah, um, job job well done. I mean, de- yeah, definitely. Yeah. It it I remember I think it was last year was when it officially like, you know, had had and last year was a, it was a great year for skiing, which was a you know, skiing yeah. and riding was great last year, but still beer um, you know, did more for the state and, you know, the fact that we have more breweries per capita and so many of them are fantastic. I, you know, it's hard yeah. for me to point at a place and say you know, I, I, I don't think that they're doing a fantastic job. I think that there were a couple, you know, a handful of years ago who somehow yeah, you know, yep. <laughs> uh, were able to do that. And, and, and you know, that the, they have, you know, either improved or they've selected themselves out of the industry. And, um, you know, so it's great that every place where you go, you know, if you trace back that history, it just seems to go, you know, back again and again and again to kind of that single source of, you know, Greg and, and his buddies, uh, because, you know, it wasn't, you know, in fairness, it wasn't just Greg, but he was the one who carried that torch, who got everybody together, who, you know, seemed to champion the cause and, and made it all, you know, made it all happen. And it's great that we, you know, still remember yep. um, so fondly what he did, you know, for, for so many of us. Well, Elise, uh, we could probably go on talking about this, you know, for, for hours, I'm sure. Uh, but I want to let people, <laughs> you know, uh, get back to their days. But I thank you so okay. much. For, I'll let you get back to yours, too. Um, I thank you so much for joining us here on uh, Brewview. And uh, this is a companion piece, again, to uh, an article that is in Brewview Vermont Magazine. So, so we'll have some great pictures in there. And you were talking about um, how one of the pictures was from your 2000th brew. That's got to be, I mean, gosh, what a, what a nice feather in the cap for you guys to have done that uh, so recently. Yes. Yeah, that was um, just last Thursday, actually. And we had... Um, most of our former head brewers here with us and um, some of the pictures that I sent over, the only person that was missing who was here out of that picture um, was Glenn Walter, um, who was our head brewer in 89. um, And he worked with Greg and he was actually, um, he was, he played an integral role in, um, creating the black IPA style. Um, but in oh. any case, not just to talk about him, he was just missing out of that photo. But we had uh, almost all of our former head brewers here. Um, Jonathan Kuzman flew in from Oregon to be here for the 2000th brew. And uh, just to say what it is, it was the Vermont Smoked Porter. And we had actually, the first time that we brewed it was actually 30 years ago to the day. Oh, wow. So, yeah. That, yeah. That's yeah. great. That's and, fantastic. Yeah. Smoke porters. Yeah. Who else was doing that back then? <laughs> I don't yeah. Know true. Yeah. True. And there's no smoke extract. We actually smoke all of them all ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's a process, but um, a it's really cool love. that we were yeah. able to do that for our 2000th. That and is, that everyone was able to make it in here. <laughs> that is it. great. So have you guys tapped that already yet, or is that just aging right now? Then that's yeah, it's gotta uh, no, be aging. We'll last be Thursday. tapping it. Um, it. We will be tapping it in. I believe Scott said about two weeks. Yeah, um, that sounds about right. And yeah. that will be in the article too. We'll have a release date for it, and hopefully, some of the people, some of the people cannot. Uh, come back for that obviously Jonathan from Oregon probably won't be able to but hopefully some of our other uh some of the other people who are here will be able to make it in for that nice well hopefully I will be able to make it in and have a little taste of that myself so <laughs> sounds good 
So All right. keep your eyes peeled for a release date. <laughs> I definitely will. And, and I'll share it on uh, social media uh, when we get that in. Elise, thank you so much for joining us and helping to tell the story about Vermont Public Brewery and uh, for all of our fans here at Brewview. Thank you again. Thank you, Mal. Join us next time. We are broadcasting from the studios of 106.7 WIZN. The Wizard, proud to be part of Brewview Vermont and this podcast.